Yo estaba bien por un tiempo volviendo a sonreír. Luego Flat Black Plastic is a show you're listening to on Mutiny Radio. I'd like to present the next group, beginning with the pianist, Wynton Kelly. 
The bassist is Paul Chambers. The drummer is Jimmy Cobb. On tenor saxophone, John Coltrane. On trumpet, Miles Davis.
I've got good news. That gum you like is gonna come back in style. Where we're from, the birds sing a pretty song. And there's always music in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Bruning and Dance of the Dream Man.
The concept behind the sandworms of Dune has attracted swarms of questions and speculations. The answer is that they are the mindless monster from the depths. At the same time, they are the guardians of the priceless treasure. They are both the source of treasure and the source of infinite danger. What is that except the embodiment of all the unknowns which confront questing life, questing awareness? Here is what it says in that definitive compendium, the terminology of the Imperium. Shai Hulud, Sandworm of Arrakis, the Old Man of the Desert, Old Father Eternity, and Grandfather of the Desert. Significantly, this name, when referred to in a certain tone, or written with capital letters, designates the Earth Deity of the Fremen Hearth superstitions. Sandworms grow to enormous size. Specimens longer than 400 meters have been seen in the deep desert, and they live to great age unless slain by one of their fellows or drowned in water, which is poisonous to them. Most of the sand on Arrakis is credited to sandworm action. They are gigantic chemical engines, alive and driven by their own needs, converting the raw stuff of their planet by heat of friction and chemical conversion into the priceless spice melange and into oxygen. Yet, they derive from the little maker, the so-called sand trout, which is identified as the creature which sealed off their planet's water, making it into a desert. Here, then, is the sandworm of Dune as you first see it from a position in the ornithopter, piloted by the Duke Leto, accompanied by Gurney Halleck, the young Paul Atreides, and Liet Kynes, the imperial planetologist. Paul stretched up in the seat to peer ahead, saw a rolling yellow cloud low on the desert surface, some 30 kilometers ahead. One of your factory crawlers, Kynes said, it's on the surface. That means it's on spice. The cloud is vented sand being expelled after the spice has been centrifugally removed. There's no other cloud quite like it. Aircraft over it, the Duke said. I see two, three, four spotters, Kynes said. They are watching for worm sign. Worm sign, the Duke asked. A sand wave moving toward the crawler. They'll have seismic probes on the surface, too. Worms sometimes travel too deep for the wave to show. Kynes swung his gaze around the sky. Should be a carry-all wing around, but I don't see it. The worm always comes, eh? Halleck asked. Always. Paul leaned forward, touched Kynes' shoulder. How big an area does each worm stake out? Kynes frowned. The child kept asking adult questions. That depends on the size of the worm. What's the variation, the Duke asked. Big ones may control three or four hundred square kilometers, small ones. He broke off as the Duke kicked on the jet brakes. The ship bucked as its tail pods whispered into silence. Stub wings elongated, cupped the air. The craft became a full thopter as the Duke banked it, holding the wings to a gentle beat, pointing with his left hand off to the east beyond the factory crawler. Is that worm sign? Where the Duke pointed, crescent dune tracks spread shadow ripples toward the horizon, and running through them as a level line stretching into the distance came an elongated mound in motion, a cresting of sand. It reminded Paul of the way a big fish disturbed the water when swimming just under the surface. Worm, Kynes said, big one. The spice workers, threatened by the worm, are rescued from the factory crawler, which was working on the desert surface. And as the ornithopter takes off, 
Paul, crushed into a corner beside a window, stared down at the silent machine on the sand. The worm sign had broken off about 400 meters from the crawler, and now there appeared to be turbulence in the sand around the factory. The worm is now beneath the crawler, Kynes said. You are about to witness a thing few have seen. Flecks of dust shattered the sand around the crawler now. The big machine began to tip down to the right. A gigantic sand whirlpool began forming there to the right of the crawler. It moved faster and faster. Sand and dust filled the air now for hundreds of meters around. Then they saw it. A wide hole emerged from the sand. Sunlight flashed from glistening white spokes within it. The hole's diameter was at least twice the length of the crawler, Paul estimated. He watched as the machine slid into the opening in a billow of dust and sand. The hole pulled back. Gods, what a monster, muttered a man beside Paul. Then, after treachery has marooned Paul and his mother in the moonlighted darkness of the deep desert, where the giant worms abound, a new sound began to impress itself on them. A muted whisper, a hissing, an abrasive slithering. Worm, Paul said. It grew louder. Faster, Paul gasped. The first rock shingle, like a beach slanting from the sand, lay no more than ten meters ahead of them when they heard metal crunch and shatter behind them. Their ornithopter was gone. Paul shifted his pack to his right arm, holding it by the straps. It slapped his side as he ran. He took his mother's arm with his other hand. They scrambled onto the lifting rock, up a pebble-littered surface through a twisted, wind-carved channel. Breath came dry and gasping in their throats. I can't run any farther, Jessica panted. Paul stopped, pressed her into a gut of rock, turned, and looked down onto the desert. A mound in motion ran parallel to their rock island. Moonlit ripples, sand waves, a cresting burrow, almost level with Paul's eyes, at a distance of about a kilometer. The flattened dunes of its track curved once, a short loop crossing the patch of desert where they had abandoned their wrecked ornithopter. Where the worm had been, there was no sign of the aircraft. The burrow mound moved outward into the desert, coursed back across its own path, questing. It's bigger than a guild spaceship, Paul whispered. I was told worms grew large in the deep desert, but I didn't realize how big. Nor I, Jessica breathed. Again, the thing turned out away from the rocks, sped now with a curving track toward the horizon. They listened until the sound of its passage was lost in gentle sand stirrings around them. And yet again, as the two fugitives must cross open sand in the night, you get an even closer look at the sandworm. We must walk without rhythm, Paul said, and he called up memory of men walking the sand, both prescient memory and real memory. Watch how I do it, he said. This is how Fremen walk the sand. He stepped out onto the windward face of the dune, following the curve of it, moved with a dragging pace. Jessica studied his progress for 10 steps, followed, imitating him. She saw the sense of it. They must sound like the natural shifting of sand, like the wind. But muscles protested this unnatural, broken pattern. Step, drag, drag, step, step, wait, drag, step. Time stretched out around them. The rock face ahead seemed to grow no nearer. The one behind still towered high. Lump, 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 lump. It was a drumming from the cliff behind them. The thumper, Paul hissed. 
Its pounding continued and they found difficulty avoiding the rhythm of it in their stride. Lump, 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 lump. They moved in a moonlit bowl punctured by that hollowed thumping. Down and up through spilling dunes. Step, drag, wait, step. Across pea sand that rolled under their feet. Drag, wait, step. And all the while, their ears searched for a special hissing. The sound, when it came, started so low that their own dragging passage masked it. But it grew louder and louder out of the west. Lump, 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 drummed the thumper. The hissing approach spread across the night behind them. They turned their heads as they walked, saw the mound of the coursing worm. Keep moving, Paul whispered, don't look back. A grating sound of fury exploded from the rock shadows they had left. It was a flailing avalanche of noise. Keep moving, Paul repeated. He saw that they had reached an unmarked point where the two rock faces, the one ahead and the one behind, appeared equally remote. And still behind them, that whipping, frenzied tearing of rocks dominated the night. They moved on and on and on. Muscles reached a stage of mechanical aching that seemed to stretch out indefinitely, but Paul saw that the beckoning escarpment ahead of them had climbed higher. Jessica moved in a void of concentration, aware that the pressure of her will alone kept her walking. Dryness ached in her mouth, but the sounds behind drove away all hope of stopping for a sip from her still suit's catch pockets. Lump, lump. Renewed frenzy erupted from the distant cliff, drowning out the thumper. Silence. Faster. Flat Black Plastic is a show you listen to on MutiRadio.fm.
got a cheap watch, about five dollars, six dollars watch. Or two dollars, two fifty. Five dollars or two dollars? I don't know which one to show you. Two dollars. Well, what's the cheapest you got? I want cheapest. You got the money though. How much? Well, I mean, suppose we have one for five. Have you got? Well, could I put the deposit on it? How much? About a dollar. Because every day I make three dollars, four dollars, five. You do make that much? Shining shoes? Yeah, because I go singing. Singing? What do you mean? Sing. Well, what does that do? Build up the business, pal? Yeah, yes. and a crowd comes. We got this one crowd. Yeah. We got two dollars in one crowd. Two bucks from one crowd? I love you, yes, I Like this, let's show for me. because you can't make money, that's logical. And then when they come out at night time, then the rain stops, and then we sing. Well, listen, but, but what do you mean you gotta call your father? Do you have to let your father know when you quit? Yeah. yeah. Why? If you won't, he's gonna give us a beating. No. <laughs> yeah. And I wanna buy me a watch before, you know? I wanna go to school, you know, wake yeah. up in the morning and tell time. So you can't tell time what time. We always be late. And sometimes I wake up late and I don't know what time. That's why my father said I wanna buy a watch. Yeah, what do you mean your father said? Did your father ask My you father to... said if you if you can make money by yourself a watch. What'd you do with all that money? We put it in the bank. Yeah, oh. my father's sick, you know, he's in the hospital. Oh. No. Now let me see. I gotta get understand what you want. Will one watch be enough for the two of you? Yeah. Yeah. But what do you do? Tell time on his watch? No. You know I'll tell him the time. Joe, you know what he does every morning? What? He always cheat me. How? I go 8.30 in school and he go 1.30. Well, hey, what time does he go? 1 o'clock and I go uh, 8.30. And when he wakes up, he says it's 7 o'clock. You know, he lies me all the time. No. Well, every time I go to school, I always like one hour. I'm real sleepy and he says, what time, what time? And I can say anything. Oh, you say anything because you haven't got a watch. Yes. Well, listen, maybe I can fix you up with a watch. Would you like a watch? Yeah. I love it. You love it? Yeah. <laughs> How do you like this one? I wish I had that one. Is it gone? He's rolling. It's rolling? Yeah. Well, listen, kids. Have you ever been on the radio? No. You either? No. You see this thing here? You know what that is? What's that? That's a microphone, see? And we just made a record of everything that you and I said. Okay. Yeah. 
No, we made a record of it, and you two are both going to be on the radio. I'm scared. You're scared? Yeah. Well, it's all over now. You're on that record now, and you're going to be on the radio. What are you scared about? No kidding. Sure. And no kidding. Yeah. No, we made a record of it, and you two are both going to be on the radio. I'm scared. You're scared? Yeah. Well, it's all over now. You're on that record now, and you're going to be on the radio. What are you scared about? No kidding. Sure. And for being on the radio, here's your watch, free. No kidding. That's right. Oh boy, Joey. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I can go to school early now.
in the way in which we lived in harmony with all that was around us. Conquering the wilderness, the white man said. <laughs> Why did he feel this wilderness, this land from which he drew life, was something to be conquered? We have never understood. This land was our friend, our mother. Only a very troubled man who understood nothing of life the circle and where he had come from would think of conquering his mother. So we, who were here before the white man, were alike in our respect for the earth. But in other things, we were as unalike as the cedars of the Tlingit land were to the mesquite of the Navajo. And it is misleading to think of us as one. One. For example, how did we say one? Wanjita, the Dakota. Kapa, the Choctaw. Azco, the Pawnee. Baji, Ojibwa. Pank, the Cree. Junkira, the Winnebago. Sogwa, the Cherokee. Uguito. And that was my brother, the Mohegan. So you see, we did not talk with each other a great deal. But for our purposes here, we first Americans will miraculously speak in English. And what will we tell in our miraculous English? For us, inland from the sea, our lives ride on the backs of the great caribou, but even more on the backs of our dogs.
Angelo Badalamenti. To close the night, I want to say a verse, and this verse is of unknown origin. It's a short verse, but a profound verse, and it is at once a wish and a description, a description of something that can be real. May everyone be happy. May everyone be free of disease. May auspiciousness be seen everywhere. May suffering belong to no one.
folks, this has been the Flat Black Plastic Show, where all the sounds you hear come from plastic that's flat and black and full of grooves. You're listening now to MutinyRadio.fm. Thanks again. Keep coming back. with you uh, and we want you to watch it and listen to this podcast at the same time yeah right yeah and these are movies that I've read about or I knew about and I never had the opportunity to see them but now they're on YouTube so we can all see them we don't have to read about them I'm with the concept Carl what's the movie today this movie is so great this movie is Joysticks and it's 1980 83. Uh, it is in your search engine, you'll, in YouTube, you'll put in no space. J O Y S T I C K 1983. Do you spell joysticks with a space, Carl? Is it an open compound word for you? I would spell joystick sticks with a space, yes, but, but, but this movie did not. They, they didn't have time for a space. <laughs> All right. There was a working title to this film, something really dumb. I'll find it in my notes. All right. So uh, which channel? Here it uh, is. I'm okay. sorry to interrupt you. No, no, please. Video please. Madness. That was the working title. When they were shooting it, they were like, we're doing Video Madness. All right, Video Madness. Come on. Video Madness, take two. <laughs> but then it sounded like some better. bad SCTV uh, sketch from like two, quarter to two in the morning. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> Well, how, how will people know this is about guys' penises? So, uh, <laughs> this movie is hosted on which channel? Okay, so there's two choices. When you search for um, Joysticks, No Space, 1983, you will come up first with um, something. It's it, The uploader is Gliss Switson, G-L-I-S-S. I can't make this up. S-W-I-T-S-O-N. Gliss Switson. Glisson and Glitson. But there's a better version, not so much better. So if you want to stick with this one, it's fine. It's it's like four or five down, and it's B H O O P U. That's the uploader. B H O O P U. Let me find that. D H. Bahupu. D H. Wait a minute. Oh. Wait, it's um, uh, it's boy haupt octopus octopus penis umbrella. Like, nobody's ever seen a penis umbrella before. Oh, I, I use a penis umbrella. It's like a drink. You take a little cocktail drink umbrella, and you just stick it right in your, your pee-pee hole. It's, it's not painful at all. You know, I don't no, see this version. I see a version for, that's been viewed two golf? million times, and it's Don Vinci. I don't you see, see a different version? What is it called? Uh, Dono Vinci? Okay, Two million um, times? I don't have experience with that one. Okay, no, so let's let's do your version. Go ahead and spell the channel, and we're going to type it in. Okay, I think the better one is B-H-O-O-P-U. Boy, haupt, yeah. octopus, octopus, pussy, undressing. All right, <laughs> I'm going to go search for that. Uh, H-O-O-P-U. All right, hang on. It's I um, it. clearly Hindu, Hindi. All right. Poo poo! I see one subscriber, one video. Um, it says four thousand and one views. Correct. Well, I'm looking. <laughs> right, hang on, let me try this one. Okay. That's the welcome video. Am I close? 
Uh, I, I, yeah, yeah, okay. I see Joystick. Joystick right. comedy Joystick full movie. Joystick comedy full movie. Okay, all right. So there we go. So I, I, okay, I don't not know plural it. audience. Sorry. I got gotcha. you. All plural. right. So this version we're not seeing, it's not plural. It's not the version that's been viewed two million times, but it is a version. Right. So go click on that and click pause. Right when you see the star, the, the sunny clouds, meaning another quality movie is coming your way. Yeah. Yeah. Quality uh, movie with clouds, blue clouds. Okay, so we got Joystick Comedy, full movie, in 2017. This is courtesy of the channel Boopoo, uh, B-H-O-O-P-U. Yeah. Wow. What boy helped Octopus, Octopus, Pussy Underground. Uh, pussy Underground, better. That's better. Pussy Underwear. That's better. I'm killing it. Uh, all right, so we're going to go play. Do you, do you need to do the computer now, Paul? Tweet that out, man. All right, so why don't we have Paul do the countdown for us? Oh, Paul's here. Great. Hey, Carl, what's happening, buddy? (laughs) What's happening, my man? All right, here we go, folks. Get your finger a hovering and want to do a countdown. Flat Black Plastic. It's special Tuesday afternoon version. It's going to be subbed in on Saturday, so who knows what's going to happen? With you know. From the weed. In a country garden, a lovely rose looked down upon a common weed and said, You are an unwelcome guest, economically useless and unsightly of appearance. The devil must love weeds. He made so many of them. The unwelcome guest looked up at the rose and said, Lilies that fester smell far worse than weeds, and one supposes that goes for roses. My name is Dorothy Perkins, the rose said haughtily. What are you, a beetle weed, a bladder weed, a beggar weed? The names of weeds are ugly. And Dorothy shuddered slightly, but lost none of her pretty petals.
But after his inauguration, there was a rush, rush of whack rappers with one intention to crush, crush this master rapper and take his throne. A simple job, he had no crew, he stood all alone, alone, alone. Assassins came in groups of one through five. With raps, no mortal MC could survive. But he showed no mercy. He rapped bloodthirsty. Battling from Friday on through to Thursday. Never losing a bout, never ending in doubt. Every confrontation KO knockout. On his never ending journey to the TOP. The LA player MC Ice.
R-O-R.
decided to use it as an authentic model for a modern replica. In 1973, scale drawings were executed by Mr. Fred Dungey of the British Museum staff under the auspices of Dr. Richard Barnett. The lyre was built in Berkeley by Robert R. Brown. The frame of the lyre, which measures three and a half feet by three feet, is of red birch, while the sounding box is of spruce. Crocker has strung the lyre with gut strings and has made oaken tuning pegs of the kind shown in ancient pictures. Each string is wrapped around the upper crossbar peg, which is used as a lever to tighten or loosen the string, turns around the crossbar. The strings descend about three feet from the upper crossbar over a fixed bridge on one side of the sounding box to the base, underneath which they are attached. The common shape of the sounding boxes of Sumerian lyres is a stylized rendering of a bull's body with its head at the front. While some liars have bearded bull's heads, the silver liar's head is beardless. Sumerian Too liars long. of this type are not ideally suited for a song to stop Oh, 
part of this song you got to watch ladies and gentlemen we do a little gimmick right here and it goes something like this one time I love you two times I love you honey three times I really love you baby Four times I really love you now, honey. Five times the good Lord knows that I love you. Six times, oh man, how I love you. Seven times, darling, you know that I love you. Eight times. Times I really love you, but good God Almighty, I Flat Black Plastic, this is for all the folks up in Napa. Thank you. 
just confess what you say is true. I had a rendezvous with somebody new. It's the only one I ever had. Baby, baby, don't you go away mad. Cheating shows and it never goes. You've got a reason to be mad, I suppose. For he was only just a passing fat baby. admit that you feel upset what do you say that we forgive and forget come and kiss me just to prove you're glad baby baby don't you go away mad don't be mad don't be mad baby Yeah. 
Here. I hope this won't, uh, I just want to explain what all these mics for. I don't want to do an imitation of the president, and I don't have Jim Haggerty here, so uh, <laughs> I have Sherman Adams, though, in the back. At any rate, Sherman Adams, no, the president and, uh, and Sherman Adams, and Arthur Godfrey and Tony Marvin. It kind of works out that way. Anyway, we're making records here, and uh, this cable goes back, and the recording engineer is Herbert Philbrick, whom you may know. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> I want to, uh, before I dig the brick wall, I'm still a bohemian. I don't want any of you to think that I sold out. And uh, the generation is now in style, isn't it? The beat generation. Anyway, I wanted to mention here, before we go any farther, that President Eisenhower is going to run for a third term. And I thought that should take precedence over homecoming speeches and all things like that. And uh, he made a speech last night, which got a, a seven on NBC. It says, right? And, uh, and, on the, uh, and Zorro got an 18. Well, anyway, so President Eisenhower is going to run for a third term, and in the meantime, or at least he said he would, Vice President Nixon has his hand on the switch. And uh, I was in the East when the president got sick, and Vice President Nixon moved in and started appearing in all these magazines, and he sort of came of age here at the end of the year. And uh, he's right, and he got his glasses, he got those new glasses and all, and uh, he was brought iron frames, right? Remember those? So, Anyway, President Eisenhower and, uh, was depending on Vice President Nixon to keep his hand on the throttle. And he was, uh, he, sort of, he was on all these magazines like Time and Things Like Life. And almost every magazine, with the exception of True, which has a hidden significance, which I'm not going anyway, so, so, anyway, by, <laughs> neutral colors. So at any rate, the Vice President Nixon, as you know, is supposed to go to the NATO meeting. Uh, there, anyway, he's, he's in charge of calling eggheads back. That's what it says here. And he's going to woo them for the administration. So, uh, several eggheads have been called back, including Dr. Oppenheimer, who was granted amnesty this week. And, uh, and he is taking a quick course in German, so he may join the others defending our country, right? So, 